Hey everybody, so I streamed live the game section of episode 84 of the Rado Talks Through podcast on May 18th, and I didn't just limit myself to the game section of the podcast. For about a half an hour before I started recording the podcast, I did a bunch of Q&A and chit-chat with the audience, and then I did another hour's worth afterwards. So all told, there was 90 minutes of cutting room floor from episode 84 of the podcast I figured I should probably archive. So I'm putting it here on the podcast channel. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. Uh... There's a whole bunch of stuff just bouncing all over the place based on where the audience led me. So, enjoy it. Bear in mind, there's no actual content from episode 84. That's a separate thing here on the podcast channel. This is just all the stuff that happened before and after the podcast. So, past self, take it away. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Can you see me? Can you hear me? Please let me know. I'm still experimenting with this new microphone, the Samson Q2U. Uh, my poor old, uh, what was it? My old trusty Blue Yeti has been kicked to the side. It's hanging over there. Maybe I'll use it for recording stuff with Jen in the future. I'm experimenting with that. But Goblin says, can see, can hear, heard ages ago. Oh, yes, I forgot. Uh, you could actually hear me during the countdown, couldn't you? Uh, clearing my throat and whatnot. Whoopsie. Uh, still, still, I've been doing this Twitch thing for a year. You'd think I'd have it down to a science now. No science here. It's all... Uh, hokey religions and superstition, kid. So, um, what's that? Oh, do I have two turntables? Uh, no, no, I do not. I am not, I will not be DJing today, Eclectic Camel. Okay, hey everybody, welcome. Uh, every month I spend a few hours recording the monthly podcast because folks send questions to questions at rotto.com, the email address, and then I collate them all into a big Word document, and then I spend a couple of hours walking through them all. And half of them are just regular game or Rotto runs through or industry-related stuff, and generally about half of them are kind of more of a personal nature or what have you. So the personal questions, which Jen joins me for, those are in the second half. I already recorded that a couple of days ago, so now I just need to record all the game-related questions, and then I'll be able to stitch it all together and put it out there via the... uh, Oh, what do I... Oh, Anchor.fm is how I host and propagate my podcast, which, um, you know, even though I do get paid to do ads for it on the podcast, even though no one's paying me to say this right now, I will still say Anchor.fm is absolutely amazing, and I don't understand why anybody uses any other solution for their podcast. It's entirely free, uh, you know, lets you put ads on, lets you modify them after they've been updated, automatically propagates them to all the sites. It's really, really well done. And they say you can't get something for nothing in life, but in this case, you do. Because it's basically a loss leader for Spotify. Spotify is trying to uh, basically run every other podcast hosting platform out of existence. So, um, you know, they are beating everybody on price by giving one of the best, most full-featured services totally for free. So as long as it's free, I'll keep using it. And uh, again, no one paid me to say that. And that was neither here nor there. I am just uh, riffing. I am just filling time, giving more folks a chance to show up. So let's stop and say hi to everybody. Hey, uh, Clyde Man and Eclectic Camel and Goblin981 and Flaming Ruin First Timer. Welcome to the Party Pal. I really need to get some kind of Welcome to the Party Pal uh, explosion animation because I love saying it so much with a little John McClane coming out, you know, shouting at you through a window. 
Um, let's see here. Oh wait, oh no, never mind. Flaming Ruin is a scammer. It's a spammer. By followers, primes, and viewers on mountviewers.com. First of all, I'll make a note of that to myself. And second of all, I will banish you. How do I do that? How do I do that? I don't generally... Uh, oh, somebody already... A moderator beat me to the... But, and yet, I signal boosted the spammer. I literally read the entire thing. And uh, I'm not... I did not actually write that down. I am not going to go out and seek artificial um, subscribes and all of that. Oh, I am so silly. Like I said, I've been doing this Twitch thing for you. You'd think I wouldn't be quite so naive as to do that. But I totally, totally did that. That was ridiculous. Anyway, continuing on. Hey, Eclectic Camel. Hey, Knights Around the Table. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Um, and let's see. Puck Boy. And do, 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 scrolling back up. Flashburn. How are you? How's everybody in your household, your life, everybody in your orbit? Hopefully... Great. Okay. I've said, oh, and Feldfan, first person to say, hey, hey, I say, hey, hey, back to thee. Hopefully, you will forgive me for not putting a Feld game at the number one spot of the top 100 games of all time, which we're getting ever closer to finishing. Okay. Um, oh, uh, Rail King seems to be asking, what is with this OFPG cert? Uh, what's my relation to OFPG? I'm just a big fan. This is our, our Family Plays Games, uh, another YouTube channel. I fig- For the last few months, uh, for an entire month, I have just been wearing the shirt of another channel. Uh, just, you know, signal boosting them a little bit, saying how much I enjoy them. First one I did was for um, uh, Lord of the Board. Then I did a month of uh, Maggie and... Amy for Thinker Themer. And this month, the month of May, is Our Family Plays Games Month uh, here at the Rotter Runster Channel. So you're going to see a lot more of this shirt. I'm going to run this shirt into the dirt. Uh, and then in June, I'll get some other channel shirt and start wearing it. Because... I just figure, why not use my platform to kind of, you know, push people towards more stuff that I think is really awesome and hopefully get them some more traffic. Fingers crossed. Uh, Eclectic Camel proudly declares, and I completely agree, uh, Lord of the Board is awesome. Are they not? Yes, they are. If I can pin that to the screen. Why isn't that pinning? That's weird. Oh, there's always something weird going on here. Can I pin it over there? Yeah, I can. There we go. Yes, Lord of the Board, Eclectic Camel is, as always, correct. Completely and totally awesome. Okay. Um, so, where are we going? Okay, so, like I said, I'm just chilling a little bit of time before we actually get to the main event, which is the podcast. But for some people, I imagine the main event is this. This showed up on Monday, and it has just been sitting on the shelf mocking me the entire time. Uh, I could not wait to actually open it. I This game was on my most anticipated list in 2020, in 2021, and 2022. So three years I've been waiting for this thing, and I've got documented proof, and it's finally here, and it's still in shrink, and I am going to open it all for you now. I am not going to play it. Uh, probably going to be playing it with Jen this weekend, if all goes to plan, because I have to schedule out all our gaming to the nth degree. But let's go to the overhead, and here we go. Hey, build... An empire of dice. In dice realms, each player rules a small realm represented by customizable dice, seeking both to improve and enlarge it. During play, players upgrade their dice by popping out die faces and replacing them with more powerful faces. Players can buy more dice, but beware, winter is coming. 
You will need gray. I mean, you can tell how long I've been waiting for this because it's using a very now outdated Game of Thrones reference to say that winter is coming. Yeah, yeah, winter came and left long before we finally got our hands on this game. But anyway, um, winter is coming. You'll need grain for every die you own. Can you build the most prosperous and powerful realm? Roll and find out. Okay. And so the game comes with 668 plug-in die faces. And what do you want to bet? They had to throw two extra in just to be on the safe side to avoid a different number unique die faces that might have come with it. 128 die cut counters. Are those the actual dice themselves? I mean, what are... Oh, no. 18 customizable dice. 668 faces to plug into those dice. Three trays with locking lids. A whole bunch of stuff. Why am I reading this to you when I could... Although, you know what? Hey, here's a nice summary of the game. Oh, that's nice. So, how does the game play? Roll your dice and the fate die. And if it's winter, you have to feed your dice. Then you can re-roll one die, so it's like a very limited Yahtzee kind of thing, or you can spend re-roll tokens to re-roll more. Or, if you have uh, this upgrade, you can set dice to certain faces. Then resolve any attacks uh, in case the event die said, oh, we're invaded, or other players invade you if you go for aggressive dice faces. So you might temporarily lose some of your dice when you're fighting, or you know, fending off attacks. Then, harvest stuff, victory points and grain, um, or innovation, I guess, Invest or innovate, or oh, and then finally on your turn, upgrade your dice, swapping new die faces out. Uh, you know, upgrading from level two to three to four, one to two to three, or um, you know, upgrading existing faces or swapping out existing faces for new faces, and then roll again, build the best dice around the win. So it's interesting. I remember seeing an interview with Tom, Mr. Tom Laban, Mr. Race for the Galaxy, where he talked about how he had actually already done an expansion for um, Roll for the Galaxy using these dice face. And, um, you know, and, and several other games have actually had these kind of customizable dice. But there's always something else. Uh, you know, the dice serve some other bigger game. And he wanted to see, no, I'm going to make a game where the dice just serve the dice. That's all there is. So we've got a handy-dandy little player aid that walks you through. I don't know if I focused the camera. Let's make sure that's focused. No, it's okay. Uh, all the different standard faces you can upgrade. And then, because I believe there, every time you play... Oh, and then um, random... What does that say? Random tile... Oh, uh, suggestions for how to do a randomized kind of Dominion-style setup with different dice faces. Uh, recommended. Oh, so again, like Dominion. Hey, if you want to have the long winter, go with this combination of stuff. Or... Love and Plague Time. Get yourself Vert Fertile Valley, Matchmaker, Monastery, Plague, and Quarantine. Did they plan on that? Well, I guess, you know, if this has been in development for that many years, I wonder if that got added after certain world events took a turn. Anyway, though, so what have we got? So, we got a bunch of stuff that represents our food and our, I, I guess these green things are victory points, at least based on what I saw in the back. Uh, uh, you know, uh, accumulate tokens for re-rolls and setting dice aside. These must be like negative victory points. This is, I don't know, is this keeping track of how many rounds? I don't think so. I think there's only like three or four rounds, not ten, but maybe there are. I don't know everything about it. So lots of food counters. Oh, okay. This must be something that everybody has one of these to keep track of their die results. Yep. Looks like a lot of the same stuff. These are very, very thick. And now these are important. These are the randomizers that we use to determine what dice faces are going to be available, whether we add nobles or sheep, or a time of plenty, or um, grain trade, or pillaging, or war, or fairs, or gardening, or plow teams, or the shrines, or castellans, or, or castellans, yeah, uh, diplomats, uh, monasteries, heroes, grain robbers, even more. So, 
every time you play, you're going to have a random assortment of these, and they tell you what the different die faces you're adding to the game. I wonder if they tell you the different die faces, or they... No, yeah, I think you, you would add different die faces, because after we get past all of these, and again, these are nice and thick. Yep, not going to bend. Uh, and, and they pop out. No spurs, anything. I think that's an important thing you're supposed to say in an unboxing. So a lot of variety. What the heck? I'll just go on ahead, and you can uh, look at them very quickly. We're on Twitch Live right now, so you can't pause. But later on, people will be able to pause uh, when they watch this on YouTube or watch it later on Twitch. Although, actually, here's a trick to Twitch. Even though you're watching me live right now, if in fact you're watching me live right now, you can actually see what I said five minutes ago by scrolling down and going to the video tab on my Twitch page. And there, you will find all the videos I've done recently, including this one. And if you launch that in a separate window, it will be everything in this live stream up until the moment when you launch that in a separate window. So if you want to hear, wait, what did he say? You can actually, there's, it's not as nice as YouTube, but there's a way you can rewind and go back and see what we're saying. But sorry, folks, this is not a Twitch run through. This is an unboxing of Dice Realms. So we've got some baggies. We've got some Agricola-style food and some purple tokens, which, I don't know, are some kind of... Looks like maybe one for each player. Yep. Then we have bags and bags and bags and bags and bags full of 668 die faces. That is a lot. And I know some people have said... Why am I going to pay so much money? Because I guess this game retails for over 100 bucks for a dice game. It's because you are getting... I mean, just the amount it must cost to produce all of this. Plus, not for nothing, all three of these very... Look at all the nice and shiny, the diamond fasted. Very nice um, trays for organization. Uh, these snap in pretty tight. Yep, they snap tight. They're not just one of those loose-fitting ones. Here I am holding it, not falling apart. Although, of course, there's nothing banging down on it. So, as I understand it, they've actually tried to make this... I don't, I don't want to open all these bags right now and put them all because, as I understand it, like, this bag, all these go in here, and this one, all these go in here, and this one, all those go in there, that the, they were actually purposely bagged to make um, doing all the layouts for all these trays a little bit easier so you don't have to spend quite so much time sorting. And, of course, you only ever have to do it once because once you've done that, everything goes in the right place. Looks like these are big spots for the actual dice themselves. Let's go on ahead and look at those. And, I mean, I assume people have seen this kind of stuff in games before. These... Let me just go on ahead and get one little die face in case you haven't. I will open up this tiny little dock, this little one here. And I'm being careful not to have the faces fly all over the place. All right, and I'll just put them all right in here. I'm sure that's not where they're all supposed to go. But we'll just put them in there. And so, the way the game works is you st everybody starts out with two dice, and they're the standard the same, but over the... You know, and basically the way these work is you just snap all these things into these dice. And, you know, they, they snap in really snugly and securely. I've played other games that use this exact same methodology. And so they, they're going to stick together. And then you start rolling. And over the course of the game, you roll, you re-roll, you, um, you know, earn upgrades and whatnot. Like, hey, if I turn this up, I believe that means uh, upgrade a level 1 to a level 2, probably. So it comes with this little uh, thing. And you just use that to pop it off, put it back where it came from, and then get the next level. 
uh, because you've leveled up. Although, as I understand it, there's really cool ideas like, okay, hey, there's all these here on the first level, and the second level, and the third level, and okay, well, I could just level up, or I, I, you know, if I, I'm replacing this one, it's an up and right, kind of like a knight. So it's up and right. So I go from this one to this one instead of this one to this one. From what I've seen, I mean, this game is Tom Lehman pushing the idea of what can you do with customizable dice farther than anybody else has done before. Because this is, of course, not the first game that's done this. But, I mean, he is doing so many things, like, you know, dead faces that do nothing other than victory points at the end of the game. So, oh, I want a real... Yeah, that's a six-point die face. I'll put it on. But then when I roll it, I, you know, it's, you know, kind of like uh, putting a province in your, uh, you know, deck in Dominion. I mean... It, you know, and then you know, bringing in the physicality of these trays in, and you know, but again, the whole game itself is just like a, a clean, simple, elegant, fast-playing dice game where every round you're gonna roll a couple of dice, re-roll one. Oh, and then there's also the event die, and this is gonna say, oh, if it's winter, everybody's got to pay for the dice they've got or suffer consequences, or maybe it'll be a barbarian invasion or whatever. And I believe this die, the event die, can be customized as well and changed up so that, hey, let's actually not only change our own uh, our, our own fightum, let's change the nature of the world itself, because the entire world is just represented by these dice. And of course, over the course of the game, you start with two, but you're going to be rolling more as you level up, and that means you're going to have to pay more, like the workers in Agricola or something like that. And that's it, folks. Um, and really, where the rubber hits the road, um, you know, is all these 50 bajillion, or more to the point, exactly, 668 dice faces that are represented, where were they? By all of these powers. Um, you know, attack, you know, so if you want to make a, an attack heavy game, you can really focus on them, attack and defense cards, or, um, you know, playing up the plague elements of the game, or, you know, being rich. And yeah, I have been excited about this game forever. Honestly, I don't think I've seen anybody else mention this, but to me, this kind of gives me a favor of the Pharaoh vibe, which is a, uh, a dice game that, um, that Tom did many, many years ago. And that was actually a remake of a previous game. I want to say Favor of the Pharaoh. The previous one was Something of the King, Service of the King or something like that. And I always thought that was a really cool and over, sadly overlooked game. They deserve more love. I mean, I've kept it all these years. I've held on to my favor of the Pharaoh. And uh, yeah, so taking ideas from there and taking them to the next level with fully customizable dice makes me very excited, very happy. I have to film a podcast now, but that is not what I want to be doing. I want to take this into the next room, read the rules, and play it for the rest of the day because I am very excited. And like I said right up front, I have been stoked for this game for three years now, it's uh, repeatedly been a mainstay at the top of my most anticipated uh, lists that I do at the beginning of every year. But that's it, folks. We have unboxed. And I see in the time we've unboxed, we have tripled our viewership. Hooray! And so, the unboxing has done its job, and I am now ready to uh, start actually doing the real job I'm here to do. Out of the way, camera. I don't need you. Mm. Okay. So, before we actually get to the podcast, oh, let's breathe for a second. Let's just calm down. And let's see. To court the king, says Goblin. Thank you. Yeah, I, I knew king was in it. I was close. Favor of the Pharaoh, and prior to that, uh, to court the king. Uh, I've never played the original one, but Favor of the Pharaoh was very, very sharp. You need to watch my old run-through for it. Although I start off with one of my biggest goofs I've ever made, but always watch the clicking on subtitles. And um, you know, and considering how good that was, I mean, and this thing seems to borrow ideas from that, borrow ideas from Dominion, come up with its own ideas. It's got a little Yahtzee thing. And... I get it. I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, that all sounds really fun. I would love to get that game for $50. And the thing is, that's a lot of content. 
And, and, you, and now more than ever, publishers are so struggling still to this day to deal with um, international shipping charges that have increased by 200% and you know really limited. I mean, I mean, this game has already been long delayed, but I'm sure the events of the last couple of years have just pushed it off even further. I mean, I know, I remember at one point, they thought they would have it out two years ago. They'd had all the face, the dice face, because they didn't have before, and it was these trays, which I gotta say, are really nice looking. I just really like how they kind of uh, shimmer with all the uh, fast things that these ended up taking quite a while as well and these are very very nice and this is not like something that Rio Grande the publisher is known for so obviously there was probably learning curves and getting this all taken care of so yeah that translates into money and I totally understand for some people it's too much and hey you know what maybe you'll be able to play it at a convention or one of your friends will pick it up or you'll pick it up used uh, because you know not everybody who gets it is going to like it and you can get it secondhand um but I mean Tom Lehman is has a pretty unassailable record. You know, Roll for the Galaxy, Race for the Galaxy, more recently, Raise Arcana, Favor of the Pharaoh. I mean, all the expansion work he's done for Pandemic over the years. I mean, he is deservedly one of the one of my highest respected designers to date. And so this is something that has he's been working on for half a decade. So I am expecting true greatness, and I cannot wait to play it. I imagine I'll be doing a run-through for it probably very, very early next month after Jen and I have spent some quality time with it. But yeah, I totally get it. Is, it, it is a, it is a, a big bite of an apple to get this game. Um, and as, uh, as a Ninth Round Table points out, Res Arcana rules. Yes, a phenomenal game. I mean, heck, I mean, I guess if you want some really quality Tom Lehman gaming and you can't quite afford this, Check out Ray's Arcana, because that's just basically a deck of cards. And uh, it's a little bit well, there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, let's see here. Just don't call out the attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. What um what were the main reasons for oops, that was the wrong button. What were the main reasons for the delays uh to this game? I can't really say that I know. I, I would assume, obviously, the main reasons that a lot of games have been delayed for the last two years, and a lot of things, just in general, in any production chain, have been delayed because I, I bet you, if it hadn't been for for COVID, this probably would have shown up last year, probably. Uh, and I, I expect the delays before that were because this was a really big new undiscovered country for Rio Grande to bite off, uh, one of their biggest productions they've ever done. And I am certain they realized there was going to be price sensitivity and they were doing their best to try to keep the price down. And that's probably another thing that, you know, kept them delayed months and months and months and months as they tried to negotiate better deals with whoever their manufacturer was. For years, Rio Grande did all their manufacturing in the USA, actually. Uh, but I, I guess a few years ago, they had to stop that because the factory they were using, they, they couldn't book time with anymore. And so they eventually had to shift over to China like everybody else. Um, and I mean, how expensive would it have been if it had been printed in the U.S.? I can't even imagine. Let's see here. Let's just scroll up and see if there's any other... Oh, hello, Mom Gamer. I'm, I'm so glad you're back as a regular. You're one of my faves. Um, right. <laughs> it's all fun and games until the kids get a hold of those trays. Yes, I think you'll have to watch them like a hawk. Uh, definitely. Because that's, that's a lot. And... Um, Actually, it's interesting. I have played some other games that you... Are... Here's a pro tip, folks. In case you're going to get this game. And, um... Right, where's the... I need an... I need one of those little spatulas. Oh, where'd they go? There it is. There it is. There it is. So here's one thing about these. When... Um, let me go back. Let me zoom back into the overhead. Boop. 
If you are going to get these and you use this little thing to pop it out, when you're popping them out, keep your thumb on the piece. Because there have definitely been times... Well, let's, okay, I'm going to do a test for scientific purposes. Let's see what happens if I just try to pop it out. Okay, that's not too bad. I've had some of these that are so tight that they will literally fly halfway across the room. This one just did a little uh, just a little spinny dance. and Okay, yeah. You know what? That's probably another lesson learned from Rio Grande after they got so many people complaining that, ah, I flew to the other side of the room and my dog ate it. Can you please make them not quite so extreme? Yeah, okay. I guess you don't have to hold the finger because they aren't going to fly quite so far now. Whereas previous iterations of this idea, oh man, I mean, they were like spring-loaded, just ready to fly to the other side of the room. So that's interesting. Do you get that kind of detail on other people's unboxings? I don't think so. Do I have any idea what I'm doing? Definitely not. Okay. Oh, hey. Bags. Oh, one big ginormous bag. Literally. Oh, no, not quite. Almost. I wonder if I could get Jen's head in this bag. It is a huge bag. I don't know what goes in here. I wonder if this is just a randomizer for the um, starting tiles. It is a way to, oh yeah, put all the different tiles in, draw five randomly. I wonder if that's what it's for. That would be my best guess, but I do not know because I'm not actually going to sit here and read the rules for you folks. I will do that and then play the game and then film it and then um, then you'll find out what the bag is for. Okay. Oh yeah, um, that's a good point. Uh, you know, a compa- comparator for this game, Dice Forge. Never understood how Dice Forge is $35 new. My suspicion is volume, volume, volume. They printed a bajillion copies of that game, and you can get your prices uh, knocked down when you do it. Uh, you know, I mean, that is, that's got the Asmodee touch. Rio Grande does not quite have the same, um, can't call on favors and get, you know, economy of scale the way Asmodee does. Because isn't Re- uh, Dice Forge. I know it's from a French publisher, but I believe it's under the Asmodee blanket. So, yeah, this game might have been significantly cheaper if uh, Tom had taken it to uh, Asmodee or, you know, Fancy Flight or one of the offshoots instead of to Rio Grande. But he has a long-standing relationship with Rio Grande, so, uh, you know, he knows them, he likes them, it makes sense that he would go there. But, yeah, there's no choice about it. It is probably the most expensive dice game you'll ever buy. If you're not sure about it, Wait a few weeks, my run-through will be up. Ignore my final thoughts, because remember, I got the game for free, so I can't judge its value. All I can do is my best to demonstrate the game so that you can get a sense for what it feels like to play, and you can decide, okay, will that give me enough fun for how much I have to pay? That's, uh, that is, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, uh, Ryan at Nights Around the Table confirms it's, uh, Liebelud, which is under the Asmodee umbrella, so that would be my guess as to why, uh, you've got economy of scale there. I mean, Rio Grande is just not as big a player. Rio Grande's a relatively small and modest concern. People tend to think, oh, yeah, Rio Grande's been around forever. They're, they're a behemoth in the industry. No, they're not. They're just a handful of dudes doing their best. And, um, yeah. Anyway, though. So, here's the deal, folks. I, let's see, I am now going to start recording the podcast. That will probably take me 40 to 60 minutes, depending on how long I blather on in response to the questions that came into questions at raw.com. After I am done with that, if I haven't bored you to tears and you haven't run screaming for the hills, 
I will then turn the attention to you. Because, hey, if you've got questions, uh, especially questions that might have been spawned by the answers I give to the questions I already have, definitely throw them my way while I'm actually recording the podcast, and we will add more content to the podcast for people later on. So, to ensure that I see your question, what you have to do is you have to start your question with a question mark. You can still end with a question mark like normal people do, but you got to start with a question mark as well because that will actually put it in a queue of questions that I will then review because I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff on Twitch, but trying to actually find questions amongst all the candy-coated, colorful uh, chat stream that we have on this platform is very, very difficult to find. So, um, if you have questions for me, especially game-related ones or ones tied into the topics, start with a, start your comment with a question. I'll be able to find it, and we'll do a quick review and see if any of those questions should go onto the podcast. And if not, I'll still stick around and do Q&A afterwards if you have non-game questions or or whatever it might be. Hey, Denoga, thank you for resubscribing um, for seven months. Well, okay, I guess I got to keep doing this for seven more months now. Thanks. Um, yep, and as always, folks, uh, if you are for followers, the more followers I get, the quicker I am going to unlock another bonus top 10. I'm probably going to be doing the, the recently unlocked bonus top 10, I think in the first week of June. Uh, check the uh, schedule down in the Twitch below. I might not have updated that yet. And um, But uh, subscribers, yay! Those are the big ticket items for me because the more of those I get, we are halfway towards unlocking another RVR episode, which is me and Ruel sitting down and doing our best to destroy each other for your entertainment. Although we always try to, in our live play-alongs, come up with games that you can play with us and destroy us communally. So, um, yeah, got uh, more subscribes to unlock, got more followers, and and of course, if you want to throw a few bits my way, or maybe buy some Rado merch or something like that, that all contributes to the big one down there, which will probably take a few months to fill, and then that will be a bonus run-through I film for everybody. This month, we unlocked one of these, and that's how I did my live run-through of Guild of Merchant Explorers, which for now is my favorite 2022 game. Although, that might be changing soon. That might be uh, replaced very soon. We will see. Okay, so... Oh, and I guess in closing, in case you didn't know, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can subscribe and get tons of benefits. Discounts on merch, um, secret word access, uh, exclusive videos that nobody else gets to see. Scroll down below the video in the um, in the subscribed question mark section. There's a list of everything you can get. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, all those benefits for free. Uh, you basically just take a few bucks out of Jeff Bezos' pocket and put it directly in my pocket. So, that, therein ends the advertisement. Now begins the content. But let me just scroll down to see if there's anything else I need to take care of. Oh, I see um, some folks are starting to ask questions with question marks. Excellent. Um, Kabuki Kid, yes, you are very candy-colored. Um, you're delicious, all of you, I must say. Uh, alrighty, so, okay. It looks like you folks are good to go. The mic has not failed. So this is the second live stream where hopefully, if it does not fail, I will know I've made the correct choice. I did an A-B comparison between this Samsung mic, the Q2U, and my old Blue Yeti. And I think the Blue Yeti has a slightly warmer sound, a little bit more pleasing. But only if I switched them back and forth A-B did I even notice a difference. So I'm pretty happy with the audio quality of this mic. If it doesn't fail me, do not fail me, then I, I think we have a winner on our hands. Um, right. Okay. So, <clears throat> I think that's... That is all she wrote, folks. So, um, okay. 
I see. Oh, Nazgoth. Bye-bye. Nazgoth, of course, actually sent his questions through um, questions at raw.com. So I'll be getting to your stuff later. You'll hear it in the podcast. Um, yeah, everything I'm going to be doing today, folks, is um, ultimately, you know, this is going to be for the podcast, which you can go to podcast.raw.com and subscribe. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and pretty much any platform. If there's a, if there's a, a podcast platform you use and you cannot find Rado Talks through, please let me know. I'll make sure it gets on that platform too. Okay, but... Phew! Alrighty, I am now going to put the little reminder up there that while I'm recording, I'm just treating this like a standalone show. You're in the audience. You can applaud if you want. Uh, there's some stickers down there for such things. You can warn me if the sound goes out. There's stickers for that, too. Uh, that's what a bomb is. Or if I make some terrible mistake, you can warn me by doing the, hey, listen, and I will actually stop try not to abuse it, and see what it is that's so important because I've made some sort of mistake and I will course correct. Uh, that happened in yesterday's R&R show. It worked out very well. So, but anyway, folks, please talk amongst yourselves. Uh, if you have any questions, co- uh, add them as comments, starting with a question mark, and I think we are good to go. One last sippy sip. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, thanks for showing up, everybody. Thanks for supporting the show in any way you can, even if it's just watching and having a good time. I appreciate that, too. Okay, so I am going to mark this as the start. Boop. Okay, folks, I am done. And there are more questions. I will answer some more of them now. And uh, although, let me get a set first. Let me oh, turn off the whatsie. And let's see how you're doing. Is everybody okay? Is everybody having a good time? Let's see. Um, okay. Oh, man, you folks have been talking about all kinds of stuff. So that's a tricky thing. I feel like I should now systematically go through this entire chat, look for stuff. But th- this whole put a question mark on, it really does limit the amount of back and forth I have with you. But it's so much easier. It's so much easier. So let me just go on ahead and hit these uh, first really quick. All righty. Goblin says, uh, where is it? I saw recently, uh, a question I saw recently, I didn't have an answer. What's a solo game that does not have turns? What's a game that doesn't have turns? What does that mean? What is a game that doesn't have turns? Um, that does not break down the gameplay into a discrete series of actions and reactions, which I guess is pretty much how you would define a term in board game forms. It's a it's a quantifiable set of player actions and a, 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 a you know par- appropriate reactions. Before uh, you know, an action reaction stage, and then a next turn begins when it, when you take more actions. So to have a game that does not have turns would have to mean that actions and reactions are completely divorced from each other, and I can just keep doing actions however I want. Then okay, then uh, a solo game without turns would be playing. Uh, what's it? Uh, Um, the David Short game, the wonderful little co-op dice-chucking game. Not Bomb Squad. Oh, what's it called? The sequel to it is called Flatline. Oh, that's going to drive me nuts. i got to go to the Board Game Geek and look it up. Board Game Geek. Um, Fuse! 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 Fuse is a game that you can play solo, and it's a very satisfying solo game where you take no turns. You just simply do actions as fast as you can. I mean, I think to have any game without turns, you're going to have to have an external timer that means the game's schedule is divorced from yours. Because if the game schedule is tied to mine in any way, shape, or form, then the game has turns. So that's a very interesting philosophical question. I think I've answered it correctly. You'll have to let me know if I did. All righty. 
Um, right. Kabuki. Kabuki, I thought you were leaving. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Okay. And, uh, there's a reference that only the Gen Xers and above get. Alrighty. Kabuki says, I know you're more of a TV guy in recent years, but what's the last great movie that I watched? Great movie that I watched. I think, first of all, I should put aside Marvel movies. I mean, and actually, I think I would, because I love Marvel movies with all my heart, but I realize that they are not truly great movies. Ugh. Man, how I mean, I do not keep track of movies I watch though. <sighs> it, it, I will say the first thing that pops into my head as a truly monumental movie, I cannot remember the name of it. It was a German movie about a uh, a government wiretapper, and um, you know the, the whole movie. It's it's kind of like the John Travolta blowout, except it was set in Germany and it was very somber. And that was an amazing movie. I can't think of the name of it, though, because I, I saw it like 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, maybe somebody in the uh, in the chat knows what that is. But, okay, what have I seen more recently? All right, tell you what. Let's go back to the Google and let's say uh, top 100 movies of last decade. And let's see which of those I've seen and which of those I think were truly, truly great. All right, oh, yeah, let's just do it according to Internet, Internet Movie Database. Okay. Um, ba, 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 ba. is it opening? Is it opening? Yes. Uh, movies this are no. Oh, this is somebody's personal favorites. No, I need things based on rankings. Alrighty, what is a, a you know like what is an authoritative um one of that? I mean, okay. What okay? What is this list? What is this list? Is this that personal guys list again in a different format? All right, okay. Rolling Stone says they've got their 10, their 50th best movies of the 2010s. Okay, but they're putting superhero movies on here too. Um, but okay, I'm just going to use this anyway. Let's go on ahead and look at that. Let's go back to the browser. There we go. So, Black Panther is a great Marvel movie. It's a great movie in terms of societal impact. A great movie itself, though, on its own ranking? No, it is not. Uh, it totally does not earn its third act. The, the the Civil War just comes out of nowhere, and, and you know they did not do the groundwork for it. Uh, but I, it's still a movie I really love. But um, no, not a great movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is it a great movie? It was a great. It was a greatly entertaining movie. Not a great movie. It was certainly not um, you know up there with Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. I mean, Dan, talk about a freshman and sophomore. A thing to follow. The Tribe, I don't think I've seen that. Lincoln. Lincoln was very, was really good. I don't think Lincoln got near enough, I mean, um, attention. I, I, I could maybe say that was a great movie, Lincoln. Uh, Personal Shopper, I've not seen that. I mean, this is going to be tough. I, I, I just, I, boy, people love Hereditary, don't they? I thought Hereditary was great. Was it a truly great movie, though? I'm I'm not of enough of a fish, a, fish, uh, a horror aficionado to say. A uh, more I have not seen. Elena I have not seen. I'm not your Negro I have not seen. A uh, call me by your name I have not seen. First Reformed Ah, oh, see now I'm I'm feeling. Uh, I, I watch too much TV. I just don't watch movies at all anymore. Tangerine. I'm, I'm, we're gonna get there. Uh, I th- I did see. Oh man, I love the lobster. The lobster was a was a blast. But it's just a really weird, quirky, offbeat. You don't really, under, you have no idea what's going to happen next, kind of thing. So, 
Uh, it was a great experience, but again, not a great uh, movie. Uh, the, oh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. That is truly great. Um, oh my gosh. That is so perfectly, perfectly constructed. Uh, it is a master class. And I, I totally understand why not everybody would think it is his greatest work, but uh, it might be my favorite. Uh, right. Zero Dark Thirty literally put me to sleep. Spring Breakers was very good. Um, Cold War, I didn't see. Uh, Rolling Stone. Oh, man. Selma. I watched Selma with my mom. And yeah, I'm going to say, even if it is a little maudlin and cloying at times, it is still so amazing and so... Uh, that and Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures and Selma are both... I, I would say they are towering works. Uh, for me, anyway. Uh, Dunkirk. Boy, I really liked it. But um, I, I was not quite as engaged... I, I think I appreciate it more on an intellectual level. It did not pull me in in the same way Inception did. Um, right. Lady Bird was, uh, was absolutely beautiful. I loved that one, too. I did see that. I have not seen Burning. Uh, man, I just... I started watching The Irishman and said, How long is this? I can't do it. I can't do it. Under the Skin, I watched. I... That, that was too slow-paced for me. Winter's Bone is amazing. Winter's Bone is... is Bleak. I saw it when it first came out, long before um, Jennifer Lawrence was a superstar. Didn't know who she was. I thought that was actually very moving. Twelve Years a Slave um, was was incredibly powerful and moving as well. Let's see. Face not, haven't seen that one. Inside Llewellyn Davis. I have watched every single film from the Coen Brothers, and this was not my favorite Coen Brothers film. I really enjoyed it a lot. I found it really engaging, but it, it did not catch me in the way others have. Uh, Parasite, I I have mixed feelings about Parasite. Phantom Thread, really, boy, that one was really good. I didn't expect much from it, and it turned out to be really fantastic, too. Um, I haven't seen Carol, Mad Max Fury Road. You know what? I think, I think that one is flawless, and you, that one can uh, go beyond genre definitions that most um, superhero movies can't to say that that is truly a work of great cinema. Haven't seen Roma, really want to. Um, saw The Master, thought that was fantastic. Did not see Tori Edelman. Get Out was amazing. Yeah, I would certainly say that is great cinema. Um, you know, that is Twilight Zone turned into a, a amazing avant-garde cinema. Uh, Boyhood was a really impressive. Holy Motors, I have not seen. The Social Network, Geez, Louise, I have I am such a sucker for um, uh, Sorkin talk. I, I I can just listen to Sorkin talk all day long. And Moonlight, I am ashamed to say I have not seen it, even though I should. It's on my list. So there's a few off the top of the Rolling Stones head, um, and obviously a lot I really should see. Okay, back to me. And what is the next question? How do I like Spielworks games? I think Spielworks uh, is one of the coolest, quirkiest developers working today. And I almost always am so happy that I have played their games. Like, like Squaring Circleville, right, right here, right behind my head. Because they always do offbeat, unusual things. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're the quintessential indie publisher taking chances, um, not worrying so much about having really smooth, polished experiences and saying, look, we're just going to do something far out here because we just think it's cool and let's give it a try. That said, um, very few Spielworks games end up staying in my collection. Um, 
And I think it is because they are a little rough around the edges. And, and ultimately, I'm, I'm so happy. Wow, I really enjoyed this. I mean, I do plan on keeping Squareville. That one was particularly good. But a lot of times I play them and say, well, that was really cool. Not for me and Jen. I don't know that I should keep it because if I ever go back and play a game, whenever I get rid of a game, my first thing is, right, am I get, is, um, what games are on my shelf that I would, I mean, if there's like five games on my shelf that I would go back and play over this, maybe I shouldn't keep it. And, um, but, you know, and, and Squaring Circle, that one really stood out to me. But I always think that they're very, very cool. What Kabuki Kid asks is my favorite brand of ice cream. Um, I am probably going to have to say Tillamook. Uh, Tillamook is a locally producer. Actually, I'm, I'm in southern Washington State there in uh, northwest Oregon. I have been to the Tillamook processing plant. I have taken the tour. I have been eating Tillamook products my entire life. So a part of it is just a really strong sense of nostalgia. But there is something about their ice cream, hard ice cream, that is smooth and rich in a way that I don't get in other mass-produced. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Ben & Jerry's. I've, 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 it's hard for me not to appreciate ice cream of any sort on some level. But uh, if I had to pick one... Actually, no. I'm going to say Tillamook is my number two. The best ice cream I've ever had in my life consistently is, unfortunately, you will have to go to Malta. It's a little confectionery shop called Busy Bee. They're actually... They, uh, they started out as like a... Uh, a bakery pastry type place and then they did a little bit of ice cream and the ice cream proved to be so popular a couple blocks down they opened up a dedicated Busy Bee ice cream gelataria however you say that and theirs is the best ice cream in the world I say this as a guy who's eaten tons of Italian ice cream tons of ice cream all over Europe tons of ice cream all over America Um, I've had uh, ice cream in Japan and yes the Maltese ice cream Busy Bee is the best ice cream in the world, uh, sorry, it's it, it's it's very akin. It's very uh, it, it's it's basically Italian gelato, but it's. I mean, I've had a lot of gelato in a lot of Italian places, a lot of really high rate places, and nothing could touch Busy Bee. So if you're ever going to Malta, and here's the weird thing too, honestly, I mean they've got a lot of choices. A lot they're constantly changing things out. The best thing they have is literally their vanilla. It is so amazing. It is so deep and rich and nuanced. And, oh, uh, it's probably the thing I miss most about living in that country, more than anything else. Okay. And then uh, Kabuki also requests a chicken update. Uh, Chickens are fine. I think we have 16 of them now. We recently... uh, They... I, I know I've mentioned this before, that Jen has annexed a sizable portion of the common land of our housing estate that we live in. Uh, you know, it's, it's a manufactured homes estate, and there's like, I don't know, two acres of just forest. That um, There are certain people in our housing community who, let's just sell that to developers, and we'll all end up getting $10,000 or something like, or whatever. And like, no! This is a great place to walk our dogs and stuff. Um, but we have been slowly annexing more and more of it. Every time, though, Jen always gets approval from the uh, the, the the HOA, the home, whatever HOA stands for, and we keep offering. Look, we'll we'll pay. We'll pay ten bucks a month, which is what they charge for the uh, over. We also have like a public lot that if you know some people have too many cars, and like okay, I can't, we, we we only each house only has one space allotted on the street uh, to keep things under control. But then we have a uh, overflow parking, and it costs you ten bucks a month. So I'm saying I will pay ten bucks a month for all this space because I'm not using the overflow parking, and and I'll, I'll donate that to somebody else. But um, so Jen recently the chickens have completely decimated 
dominated a sizable portion of the land that we have annexed. And um, so uh, a couple weeks ago, we had to go out and completely reconfigure the electric fence to completely cut them off from that. So now they have this very long, narrow path they have to go to to get to like new, untouched grass so that Jen has now planted grass and the old area is regrowing because they just become a mud pit. So that's what's new in Chickenville. Oh, and they're all laying. We have way too many eggs. We are always trying to give them away to the neighbors. Okay. Uh, Goblin says... What, what, what do you say, Goblin? What, what are you talking about? Uh, Goblin says, There is a Rotto on Twitch. Is that you? No, it is not. And it drives me freaking nuts that there's a Rotto. I wrote several times saying, Hey, dude, I will pay you. Give me that name. I would like it. It's kind of my brand. It's kind of my thing. I never got a reply. I wrote to Twitch saying, look, this person has not gotten on, has never done anything, has not gotten online in years. Will you please cancel it and let me have that? Because meanwhile, I have built this brand for a decade. And they said, you know what? Every once in a while we review these cases, don't hold your breath. And I'm like, Duh! and I will not show you the rude gesture I made to my screen when that was the tour I got. So no, I have no idea who that is. Um, I don't know. And it drives me nuts because I would much rather be able to point people to twitch.tv slash Rotto rather than Rotto runs through. But it's not me. It ain't me. No, no, no. It ain't me. Alrighty. Um, uh, getting back to the when I was uh, unboxing, is there a guide for putting all of these faces in their compartments? You know what? That was a huge oversight. What kind of unboxer am I? At no point did I give you folks a tour of the rulebook, did I? Oh, I'm terrible. I am terrible. Let's see here. Here it is. Let's go back to the overhead camera and continue the unboxing. So, okay, there's all that. There's just these player aids, which seem very nice, very thorough. And then we've got the rulebook. All right, let's take a looky-loo. Let's get that off screen so you can see it a bit better. All righty, so overview. Before the first game, carefully re remove the set of die and re-roll tokens. Uh, and, or, oh, the, yeah, the, the chits, the chits. Remove and set aside more chits. Dice assembly. Assemble the black, white, and grays with these particular faces. Then assemble the green die with these particular faces. Then the fate die with these particular faces. Remove die faces during play. All right, so it doesn't look like there's anything there. There's a thing here. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't see anywhere in here that they break it down. And if so, that is a... Huge oversight. I have a hard time believing that. Let's see, did they put something on the side of the box? Sometimes they do that. No. No. Or there's this. There's a picture of, of one, but there are three trays worth of stuff. All right. Oh, wait, wait. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? All right. Um, game setup. First game. Uh, put the five preset tiles, plow team, gardener, steward, grain robber, and hero below the master tray. From the bag with 40 white faces, sort them into five piles, um, matching each. So, okay, these are the ones they start with. They say, hey, go to the bag that has 40 white faces and put them all into these stacks. Oh, you know what? Oh, no. Look, yeah, right. Okay, so this here, I'm sorry, I totally missed this. This is a guide for the main, for the, for the main tray, um, and then... I know the other two trays take all those white faces in various ways. So they say, hey, ignore that for now, because they're just trying to get you set. They say, here's how to set up the main thing. Play your first game with just these. Ignore the rest. And so that makes me think that after your first game, 
Upgrade. All right, so the upgrade path scoring after the first game. After the first game, place the five groups used in the first game in five compartments. Open the bag of 152 white. Sort them into 19 groups of eight faces. Put these in the other 19 compartments of the stream. Open the bag. Okay, yeah, so there is. There is a guide, Ryan. There's no pictures, but it seems like it's a pretty thoroughly articulated step-by-step of how to do it. So, all your hopes and prayers have been answered for when you eventually get your hands on this game. Alrighty. Okay. And I think that is it. Now, there were a bunch of questions that had come in in yesterday's R&R. And Ruel and I, Ruel ran out of time. Ruel had to run. You may not have picked up on that. Ruel was ready to go at 2 o'clock. So we left a bunch of questions. We said, hey, let's do it next week. But let me just look at these really quick and see if there are any I could do right now. Um, because maybe they wouldn't be Ruel-focused anyway. Yeah, like this one. Why? 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 Why did Rado Richard move to Malta? That's a good question. I moved there because at the time I was still a uh, a member of the uh, the video game development industry, and I got a great job offer to be the creative director, or I th- as I think, I forget. I remember my phrase. It was like studio head of. I forget what it was, but basically, I got a job offer uh, at a startup, and Jen, I said, "Wow." Our thought was, if we move to Malta. In much the same way that living in England for... We lived in England for nine years, and we were able to use England... Oops, let's get back to full screen. We were able to use living in England as a kickoff point for touring all over Europe. Um, you know, going you know as far east as um, you know Poland and the Czech Republic, and you know north to... Yeah, we we did a little bit of Nordic stuff, you know, down into the Mediterranean. We thought, okay, we've we've seen a lot. We you know England was really great to be able to see a lot of Europe. Malta, that's got that's got to be great to see a lot of Africa, right? Because it was always a pain to fly to Africa from England. It was way too far. Uh, and we really wanted to, you know, tour Africa and, and do a lot of stuff there. We get to Malta, just assuming that would be the case. Turns out it's not. If you want to get to anywhere in Africa, even Egypt, which is like almost puddle hopper distances, you got to fly to connecting flights in Milan because Malta is not an international gateway. Malta is an end-of-the-line kind of place. So, I mean, we ultimately did uh, do uh, a really nice uh, long safari trip through five different countries in the uh, southern half of Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa, and it was amazing. But yeah, we had to fly there out of Germany, if I recall. Uh, So... But ultimately, we, I went there for a job. The job ended. We stayed because the cost of living was so low, and yet the quality of life was so high that it allowed me to, be, to become a full-time board game YouTuber. And, uh, but then eventually, we had to move back to the States to help my mom because she's uh, getting on in years, and she was out in the middle of the forest by herself and really needed help. Okay. Let's see. That was asking both of us. Uh, that's a follow-up from an R&R question. R&R question. That's both of us. Okay, here's one. That's, and this is a fair question. Bing says, will I ever do a run-through of Dominion? Um, Bing owns it. And he loves it. And Rotto Runs-Through feels incomplete without it. And you're entirely right. I totally should. It is ridiculous that I never have. I have done, I believe, a top 14 countdown expansions. And I've covered every single expansion except for the most recent one, which I haven't played yet. But no, it's ridiculous that I've never done a run-through. And especially because I know it would get tons more views than most things I cover. Because, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there's there's hundreds of thousands of people every day discovering games, and a lot of them are discovering Dominion for the first time. And why shouldn't their first introduction to Dominion be my video instead of one of the other ones out there? So I really should do it. 
The only thing that's preventing me, but I see. Hold on a second. Is it on the thumbs list? Thumbs. Do do do. Uh, Dominion. Dominion. Dominion Allies is on the thumbs list, but sadly, it only has 14 thumbs. Only 14 people want to see me actually cover Dominion Allies. If this could rise to the top, getting way up here to where it's got, you know, in the 50s and 60s number of thumbs, that means, hey, whatever's at the top of the thumbs, I cover every month. I was actually going to do Terra Mystica, Merchants of the Seas this month, but then I discovered there's a really cool Automa expansion. So I just ordered the Automa expansion. It's not going to be here in time. I got it from Fun Again Games. So I'm going to do Terra Mystica next month now because it's currently the most thumbed thing there is. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do Fjords because I've already done Fjords and this was somebody asking for the new one. I really have to look to see if the new game changed much. I've got a copy of Claim. I'm ready to film that. Stardew Valley. I'm just... oh, I don't know, man. I know a lot of people say it's good. I read the rules. I just didn't think it was... It didn't really grab me. Sagani, I've got this. I'm ready to film it. Space Hulk Death Angel Mission Pack 1, I've got that. So I've got several of these queued up, ready to film. But if somebody were to make a big push... uh, Because, hey, if you go to thumbs.rado.com, that's what we're looking at right now, right, folks? Thumbs.rado.com. And you come down here to Dominion Allies, which is the latest one, and you click on that. I think it's me. Didn't I add this? Yep, I added it. I feel like I need to cover this since I've done every other Dominion expansion in my top uh, in my countdown video. So, if if forty some people thumb this thing, uh, what I will do is when I go to covering Dominion Allies, I will treat it as a Dominion run through. I will. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Dominion and maybe I'll throw some other stuff in. I'll, it'll be a run through of. Hey, look how variable Dominion is. Look at all these interesting things. Let me show you a lot of different um, variety, including the latest expansion, Allies, but also let me just show you how Dominion works. And I would classify that as a Dominion video, and I'd finally have one. So, uh, balls in your court, Bing. Get those thumbs uh, for Dominion Allies. Woo! Okay. Uh, let's see. What else? All right. That was more R&R stuff. I would say that's R&R stuff. Uh, that's a definitely an R&R. Okay, so... Um, oh yes, hey, Gr- uh, Great Saver just asked just now, did I ever look into the issue with games.rado.com? The wonderful, wonderful coder who made games.rado.com and thumbs.rado.com has seemingly disappeared. He has not logged into Board Game Geek for over a month. I found him on Facebook. I don't think he's logged into Facebook for quite a while either. I reached out to him. He didn't reply. It seems like the server is down, and it looked like it, it was all over. And so... I went to, let's see here, let me find that. I went to Board Game Geek, like I always do, because Board Game Geek is the source of everything good in my life, except for my wife. It's the second biggest source of everything good in my life. And um, where is the thread I started? Let me find that thread. DTT, here we go. I started the thread. Um, hey! Coders who know their way around the BGG API, I put the call out in April 30th. Got a few responses, um, suggesting other stuff that wasn't quite there. And then Gerald Fitzsimmons, or uh, Geroid, stepped up. And he said, you know what? I've never done this before, but he's a coder. I will figure it out. And uh, within a few days, he had made the thumbs. And then uh, less than a week later, he had made games. And so thumbs.rado.com is born again, which is so thankful because, as you saw, I use this list to keep track of what games I need to play, what games have the most interest from my audience. Uh, Because, hey, if you come here, you can click on request.rado.com. You can request I cover games, and you can put thumbs on games. If you want games covered... 
Um, you know, it, like, where was it? It was the Dominion one, right? Dominion. If you click on that with only 14 thumbs... Oh, my gosh. Was it just 13 thumbs a second ago? I think it was. It's now 14 thumbs. It's 15 thumbs. It's working. Um, what was I just quoting there? It's working. I, I, I got a little kid shouting, it's working, it's working. Oh, I was just counting, uh, I was quoting young Anakin from Phantom Menace. It's working, it's working. Um, you, you can just click on that on thumbs.raw.com. It'll take you, and then you can thumb it. And, yep, uh, Goblin, yep, it was Anakin. I don't know why I was quoting that, but uh, it is, in fact, working. So uh, he got that up and running, and then he also recreated games.raw. So games.raw.com now takes you to this. This is a list of all the games I have ever run through, whatever it is. I think it's up to like 17 or 1,800 games now. And I should say now it's not just me. I, as I say my team has run through. And ones that I still have in my collection are way up here at the top because they are ranked. And so, um, yeah, sorry in the name of Odin. That one didn't make it. You can go to gone.raw.com and find out why. But you can still come over here and click and go directly to the run-throughs. So if there's a game you're looking for, you can find it at games.rado.com. If you want to know how I rank things relative to each other, games.rado.com. Thank you, Gerald, for stepping up and making it possible. You can see, first he did this. I was so happy. Then he did the other one, and I was even more happy. I was so happy I gave him 1000 2,000 geek gold, and I feel like that was not enough. I owe him so bigly. Everybody, um, a big round of applause for uh, A. Gerald Fitzgibbons. That's somebody's cue if they want to use the sticker down below to do some applause, but that's okay. Um, right. So yay, it's back. It's back and better than ever. And again, I just have to say thank you so much to the coder who had done it for me originally. And I, I hope wherever you are, you're okay, because you seem to have disappeared, and that's a little scary. Um, right, okay. There you go. A little late with the Bravo, but very much appreciated. Um, King Engine one games.rado.com doesn't work for you. Does it go... It goes to a broken link, right? That is because at some point in the last few weeks in your browser, you went... You tried to go to games.rado.com and it went to the broken link. So your browser cache now has the broken link um, in its it's in its cache, and you have to clear your browser cache. Um, which, depending on your browser, there's different ways you could do it. Use a browser you've never used before. If you're on Windows 10 and you're on Chrome but you use Edge, go to Edge. You should see it's working. Although I should point out, it's just games.rado.com. If you type in HTTPS colon slash slash S for secure, it won't work because I'm a cheap so-and-so and I'm not paying the extra money to be able to make all of my Rado redirects secure HTTPS compliant. So it's HTTP colon slash slash games.rado.com or just uh, games.rado.com. If it's going to a broken link, that means you need to clear your cache. Um, although I think caches ultimately clear on their own over time, so maybe try again tomorrow. The thing only went up yesterday. What the heck? What the heck? Hello. Did we just get raided from Brett Spiel Podcast? Guten Tag! Guten Abend! Meine Freunde! Uh, wie geht's? Um, and that's as far as I'm going to take that. I'm assuming, uh, if it's Brett Spiel Podcast, we have some Deutscher, uh, some Deutsche folks in the, uh, in the chat. Welcome. It's very nice. Um, I'm in the middle of doing some Q&A. We were actually probably just about to go, but really quick, if you have any questions for me, um, uh, type them into the chat, but start your question with a question mark so it'll go into my special queue so that I will see it. And in the meantime, I will go back to my queue of questions that people have asked by starting the question with a question mark. Alrighty. Well, I think I'm out of them, quite frankly. Uh, right. I would rather hear Ruel answer that one than me, quite frankly. 
And that's a good one for Ruel too. Yeah, I think the rest of these are from Ruel. But you just got here. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to leave just as you're showing up. Um, but you missed the unboxing of. Oops. Hello. Back to the full screen. Back to the full screen. I. Uh, you missed the uh, unboxing of Dice Realms. You missed the recording of the podcast. You missed the the lion's share of the Q and A. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think I'm caught up. Unless. All right. Yes, that is correct. Uh, Scott O'Brien just points out, you know what? If you, if you, if games.rado.com is not working for you, um, go to bankerofthegods.com slash rado slash ratings.php because that fellow I just talked about, Gerald, uh, he's a game designer. Banker of the Gods is the game he is designing. And so he's got that URL. He's got a website devoted to it. And he just put these little um, extra pages on his website. And all I did is... I redirected games.rado.com to that website so people can find it. But yeah, you should just be able to go directly to bankerofgods.com slash rado slash ratings.php and then you can just make a shortcut to that if your cash will not allow games.rado.com to look. Very good. Thank you, Scott. I don't know why that didn't occur to me. That is so obvious. That should have been the first thing I said. But obviously, I'm exhausted. Exhausted, I say. Um, Let's see. Yes, Fidelia. Thank you. The German film I was talking about. When earlier in the Q&A, somebody asked me, what's the last great film I thought of? And literally, the first thing that popped into my head was The Lives of Others. Man, that's an amazing movie. That is just... And it's, it's a simple, quiet movie, um, but so powerful. I, I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, let me double check. I'm pretty sure, but that sounds right. IMDb, Lives of Others. Yep, from 2006. I've seen other great movies since then. Like I said, it was just the first one that popped into my head. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Okay. Oh, and, um, but confirmed, Clearing Cash fixed it. Yeehaw. Okay. Um, Kabuki asks, do I own any third-party inserts? Yes, I do. But only because they were sent to me by um, uh, places asking for a Rada review. So, I've got a few from Rob Searing of the Dice Tower... You know he's been their webmaster for forever, and uh, he does. He has a side thing. It's called insert.me, I believe. Let me, or it's either insert.here or insert.me. Insert.here. Either way, no. Okay, so it must be insert.me. Dot me. Uh, no, neither of them are there. All right, let's. All right, Rob Searing inserts. DT. All right, the. All right, the board game insert. Oh, he's okay. He no longer maintains. Oh, it, okay, no, it's, it's, yeah. Insert here, insert here. Dot me. Um, so I've got a few of these. They're foam, and they're quite nice. I've got one for Escape. I've got my the entirety of all of my Lords of Waterdeep collection in my Scoundrels of Skullport because of his excellent insert, and I had a couple of others. So I've got those, and the only other one I have, I think, is a Gloomhaven insert called the Rocks insert. What was it? Let me find that one. Rotto Gloomhaven insert, and um, ba 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 ba. Yeah, the Gloom Box, which I also thought was excellent. And actually, I did a run-through with me and Jen actually building it. It took us like two hours, if I recall correctly, because we'd never done one before. But don't worry, it doesn't take two hours to watch the video, because I sped it up and just you know stopped at key moments. So I think those are the only third-party inserts I have. Honestly, they're neat. 
I don't care enough about inserts. I am just as happy throwing everything into baggies and just throwing all the baggies in and just letting them flop around. In fact, in some ways, I'm more happy than that because it's easier to put stuff away. Inserts make things easier to set up, but I care more about making things easy to put away because after I'm done playing a game, I'm exhausted. I don't want to take all the time to organize things. When I'm starting playing a game, I'm full of energy. I've got the uh, mental wherewithal to organize things then. So I like, uh, which is why I think baggies work better work better for me. What just... Who the... Rainer? Rainer uh, just rated us as well. Uh, uh, Guten Abend as well. Oh, wait, no, no. Rainer's in America. Um, But hello. Let's see. We're just in the middle of Q&A, and although we are just about out, uh, if you have any questions, ask them with a question mark at the beginning so that I will see them. Like Kabuki Kid asked when she said, do I own any games with painted pieces? Anything you painted or Jen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not in the proper way you're thinking. When we got Seventh Continent, we both liked it so much. And the pieces were so tiny. The the miniatures were really, really small. The Gen said, boy, I mean, and we were really, we were, we were putting lots of hours into it the first time we played it through. The Gen said, oh, I'm going to paint these. Not really? You're going to go out and paint them? She said, no, I'm just going to go get some Sharpies. And so I have some Sharpied miniatures, which did not work out very well at all. And in fact, it was so terrible that um, there was a fan of the show who said, hey, if you ever need anything painted, let me know. And um, I said, I think I need these things painted because Jen kind of ruined them by taking a Sharpie to them. Not that it, Jen is an incredibly talented artist. She's got some really great um, water paintings and oil paintings that we have on walls and stuff. But yeah, painting miniatures with Sharpies was not ever bound to work out well. So our Seventh Continent miniatures are painted. Our Gloomhaven miniatures are painted. And I, I think that's it. That's it. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because... I, I, I believe me. I would like every miniature to be painted because I hate gray lumps of plastic on the table. But I'm never going to bother. Jen doesn't have the time. Maybe that's something Jen in retirement might want to start doing. I could see that being something that she would get into. She's very artsy. Alrighty. Um, next up, Mom Gamer says, "What is the game? What game is the automat um, for that? Just you mentioned? Uh, oh, the Altama. Um, I was talking about how. What was I just talking about?" Oh, um, uh, Terra Mystica. Because Terra Mystica is currently at the top of my request list, I was going to film it this month. I, 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 it wasn't, I've killed Terra Mystica years ago. But um, the Sea of Merchants expansion was requested. And it made it to the top. It's got 60 thumbs right now. So I was going to film it. I bought... I had to go out and buy a copy of Terra Mystica. I had to buy... I mean, it's expensive. Terra Mystica is crazy expensive. And unfortunately, I bought it before I knew there was this stupid big box coming out. If I'd known that was coming, I would have bought that instead. But anyway, so I bought those two separately. And then I was literally setting it up two nights ago. And I saw a board game geek all of a sudden, oh, there's this Otama expansion. And somebody said... this. The, the developers said, this is the best way to play a two-player. I'm like, ah... Well, I got to play it that way now. So I've ordered that and it's on the way. It won't make it in time. So next month I will be doing a run through, a uh, either a solo or a two player run through of terraforming, or not terraforming Mars, Terra Mystica with the uh, Sea of Merchants expansion and the Otama. That is the plan. Or at the very least, I'm going to be playing it and then talking about it in a roundup. I don't know if I'm going to do a full run through or not. We will see. Um, right. Clearing the cash worked. Okay, cool. Okay, folks, you don't seem to have very many questions. So, 
And, oh, I see Kabuki is saying that I'm getting kind of choppy. Chop, chop. So, uh, Terraforming Mystica. Yes, that, that, that would scream to the top of the BGG Top 100 in a heartbeat. Uh, that's true. Okay, so apparently the tech is starting to break down. Um, oh, okay. I scrolled up and I see people are asking questions without the question marks. Rainer asks, what about tan pieces of plastic? Is that preferable to gray? It honestly is. Quite frankly, I gray is just the freaking worst. Rainer, you're in the board game industry. Could you tell me why is it always go to gray? Why can't they by default be uh, uh, some kind of nice shade of purple or green or tan? Anything. I mean, gray is just about as boring as you could get. Straight black or straight white would be better than freaking gray. Is is gray plastic just cheaper than anything else? You tell me. You you probably know the answer. Answer the question. Don't wait for the translation. Answer the question. All righty. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think Jen was very pleased with the outcome of uh, her Sharpie experiment either, quite frankly. They had really weird little off-centered eyes because she tried to do the two eyes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jen's uh, true strength is in, in glass. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Is gray cheaper? Uh, that's what I'm asking. Gray is... Oh, I see. Gray is easier to paint over or detailed enough to put a wash. Okay. That makes sense. And honestly, gray miniatures with a wash, they're fantastic. I'd still rather have bronze miniatures with a wash. Like, um, oh, the uh, the Wonder Woman game. Challenge of the Amazons, Wonder Woman Challenge of the Amazons. Th those were, they were like bronze with a wash. Those were very nice. I'd much rather have that. But okay, so gray is uh, just because it's easier for painters. Well, seeing as how miniatures only exist for painters, I guess that makes sense. I can't argue with that. Um, hmm. Still not happy about it though. But thank you. That was genuinely curious after that popped in, popped up. Okay, cool. I think we are done, and so we are going to go raid, unless I just saw somebody ask a question. Do you spell gray, gray, or gray? I go E-Y. I do not go A-Y. I am not sure what uh, that uh, labels me as. I do tend to put the U's uh, because I spent too much time in England, and it's just second nature. I, I do that, um, although I do say aluminum and not aluminum, um, although for call crack, I think they're, they're spelled the same. So silly. And... Uh, yeah, gray. G-R-E-Y. Not gray. G-R-A-Y. Which is just weird. Um, all right. And I think Gray Deceiver agrees. That's that's good enough for me. Okay. What are the qualifications for games to be on the wall behind me? Um, not, nothing in particular. They are more recent ones. It's a variety of things. Pessoa is here because I think Pessoa is freaking awesome. And I hope more people discover it. By just through osmosis, because they keep seeing it and they say, "Hey, that looks funky. Maybe I should go watch this video of it." And you know, because I think that game deserves more. Roll camera is because it's my favorite game in years, one of the best games in years. So it's up just because I personally love it. Um, and you know, I, I think they're all because I personally love them, or because I really hope that they break through more. That's the general gist. Um, Sometimes, yeah, like these ones over here. 
those ones are there because they have their titles at the top of the box. So I just kind of like how uh, Tawantin Suyo is just like barely peeking over the edge of the table. I just think that's kind of funny. And how the loop is just, oh, I mean, only people who are in the know know that that's a loop. It just looks like uh, like, a, like a little dinosaur or like a Loch Ness monster kind of thing because you can't see the full world. Uh, Palooza! Oh man, 20 people just showed up. We were literally walking out the door. Um, I, I'm at the end of a Q&A. I think people have run out of questions, but 20 people just showed up. This is your chance. Um, tell me if you have a question for me. Um, start it with a question mark, if at all possible, uh, because that will help me spot it and not miss it. But first time chatter, uh, CD on board, howdy to you. Don't often get howdies on the interwebs. Um, that's very nice. I often say howdy in real life. Uh, as it happens. And it makes no sense. I think it confuses people more than anything else because I'm no longer in Texas. But that is definitely um, something I picked up living in Texas for a few years. All righty. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, you're right. Fem Sensei points out, you know what? We did not start today's show with a Battle Royale. So... We're going to have a Battle Royale now, folks. If you are a subscriber to the show, which, by the way, is free if you're an Amazon Prime member and it gets us closer to unlocking another RVR, look at the progress. Uh, uh, if you're a subscriber, you get one of those cute little stream avatars down there, which means you can walk around and hug people and um, play slot machines and and dance and jump and do all kinds of things. And uh, you can also fight to the death, which is what's going to happen right now with a Battle Royale. All righty. There we go. And whoever wins this battle royale, if I can typewrite, I can't typewrite. What did I say? I said battle royale, B-A-T-T-L-E royale. And whoever wins this battle royale um, is going to get 100 gold that they can use to customize. And you see, normally on the R&R show, we have about twice as many competitors. So this is going to be over pretty quick. There I am over on the right with my little golden balloon, Rotto runs through. And me and Fidelia, I'm immediately chasing after Fidelia. Going to do a quick backstab. Fidelia really needs to stop bringing ice cream cones to battle royales. They are not helping out. But And then I am now, I'm, I'm uh, boy, I am completely under the Radar. Nobody even sees me. Oh, but but all of a sudden, Sam is backstabbing me. I'm down to half-life. What is happening? I threw down with Goblin, and oh my gosh, I think I'm not going to make it. Oh, but I took out Goblin at least. Goblin, um, my revenge was best served cold. I'm off on my own. If I can get a health pack, just stay. Stay in the corner. Don't go for trouble. Oh, here comes Feldfan. The two biggest Feldfans throw down. And Feldfan is the Feldiest as I blow up real good. But then Feld is taken out by Sam. Sam has uh, personally seen the downfall of all Feld fans here today. And there is a health pack on the field. Sam is making the run for it. Ah, oh, but he says, I don't need it. I'm going to backstab Fem Sensei instead. Even though Fem Sensei is the ultimate hugger. Um, and all those hugs, Fem Sensei, did not get you any love from Sam. Alrighty. Oh my gosh. This is down to the wire. One hit will take out Sam or LS. Um, 100,024. Sam gets the health pack, though. I don't like your chances, LS. You have one in the past. But today is not your day. And Sam, C107B is victorious. Or uh, 107A. That makes more sense than 107B. Congratulations! Alrighty. So, that was silly. And uh, let's see if that gave anybody the time to ask any more questions, because if not, I'm going to make like a tree and get out of here. Alrighty. Um, oh, uh, Mom Gamer remembers that, hey, didn't, um, yeah, didn't we like Terra Mystica? Got rid of it. 
No, uh, the problem with Terra Mystica, I, I think Terra Mystica is brilliant, but the original Terra Mystica, what came in that box was not very well balanced for two players. It was an area control game where the coolest elements of the game really just didn't come because they never did any, they didn't tighten up the boards. They didn't have two player specific boards. There was, I mean, and, and it, it worked as a two player game, but it was less than ideal. Um, ultimately, the, the science fiction sequel Gaia Project did a much better job. And honestly, I might have kept Gaia Project, but I remember Gaia Project... Oh, I had Gaia Project, and I was planning on keeping that. It's like, okay, I don't need Terra Mystica. But then, Gaia Project, I had it at the same time that I had Clans of Caledonia, which is a different style game, but it still had a lot of the same feels. I'm like, okay, am I going to play Gaia Project or am I going to play Clans of Caledonia? I kept Clans of Caledonia. And now I don't have Clans of Caledonia either because it was a very heavy box. And I was try- and it was a reason... I was trying to figure out, okay, what game should I not bring back to the States? Big boxes didn't make it back. Heavy boxes didn't make it back. So none of them made it. And now, years later... Uh, Terra Mystica will rise again uh, because I'm going to try it with the Automa, which apparently makes it a good two-player game. Alrighty. Uh, am I registered to vote in Washington State? Yes. Uh, Jen, my mom, and I are all registered to vote, and we register regularly. I should say, I basically vote three times because both my mom and Jen... Washington State is really great. They send out these really nicely done voter pamphlets that walk you through everything on, on every initiative and you know every uh, candidate and all that. You know, and, and give give the uh, you know give, give the supporters and the detractors spaces where they can talk about stuff. So it's a really great one stop resource to make relatively informed decisions. And um, so I, every time we have a vote, I sit down, I read the thing from cover to cover, and I do all the voting. And I say, there's a couple of them I'm not sh- I'm not sure which way Jen would go on this. So I'll ask her and I'll ask mom about that. But basically, I have the power of three votes because uh, Jen and mom trust me. Uh, uh, in the household. Alrighty. Okay, so, once again, I've caught up with questions asked with question marks, and, um... (laughs) And I see somebody picked up on my um, Back to the Future quotes. Very good. Okay. Oh, hello. Some uh, new... A goblin says... What's this? Oh, goblin asks on behalf of somebody else who probably didn't use the question mark, uh, Renegade Revan... Renegade Revan says, I'm getting into board games. What are some cheap ones that I should get to start my collection? Well, I don't know who you are, Renegade. Um, what I would suggest, what I always suggest, anybody asks me what game should you get, I say go to faq.rado.com entry number five, because that will take you to a form where if you ask your exact question right now, you will get deluged with a ton of really good suggestions. It's the recommendation form on BoardGameGeek. It's incredibly powerful. It is the single most useful thing on all BoardGameGeek is the recommendation form. When I eventually discovered it in my first year of board gaming, it tran- I stopped making bad decisions about which games I got. Um, off the top of my head... Oh, you know what? You know what? I do a weekly show with Rel Gaviola, the R&R show, and we did a low-cost... Um, episode not too long ago where I think every game was like under 20 bucks. Let's see. Where was it? Uh, let me see if I can find it really quick because that is a good one. Um, yeah, here it is. Um, I just pulled it up and I will put the link 
in the chat right now. So go check that out. That is a list of 10 games with us spending time explaining what they are and why we think they're fantastic and that they are all really, really cheap. So that might be a good thing to start to. Although again, I cannot recommend strongly enough. Uh, go to the uh, boom, boom, boom the recommendation forum on BoardGameGeek. I guarantee you will not regret it. It is 100% worth your time. Um, you will get addicted to that forum for the first year of your Board Game Geekdom because you're like, oh, it turns out I really like this. And you'll go back to the forum and say, well, I really like this one. What do people suggest I do next based on this and that and the other? And you will get laser precise, excellent suggestions every step of the way. Goblin, that is really interesting that you took somebody's question they didn't put the question mark on and gave it to me. You know what that means, Goblin. You know what that means. I am going to do to you. Um, I know there's a feature in this system that allows me to um, make a... Uh, let's see, where are you, Goblin? Uh, first of all, are, are you a uh, moderator? Yes, you are. So you're a moderator. I can also make you a moderator of my chat queue. So that if you see questions pop up that would have been missed, you can force them on me. I'm going to fix... I don't know how to do that right now, but I'm going to do that this afternoon. And next time, whenever you're here, Goblin, you are on deck to make sure all the questions that miss their question marks make it into the queue because that is awesome. I'm very excited about that. I don't know why that never occurred to me till this second. Uh, uh, Eric FHM asked, do I like to paint minis? I like to think that I would like it, but I've never tried it. And the thing is, it takes so much time. I mean, or it takes so much time to become good enough so that it doesn't take so much time. I mean, Paul Grogan of uh, Gaming Rules, a really great YouTube channel. He, I was watching a Q&A with him the other day, and he was talking about how he had just finished some set of, I don't know, Warhammer minis or something like that, that he had been working on for four years. Uh, by hook or by crook because I mean, he does a really great job but he's very slow and I suspect that would be me and I am too much of an instant gratification type guy what I should learn to do I should totally learn how to do wash because honestly a gr an ugly lump of gray plastic that has had a wash on it a nice looking wash instantly just it just looks wonderful to me and I understand that's not that hard. That's just getting the equipment, getting the things, dunking them in, and then what? Drying them off and le or letting them dry, and that's pretty much it. I desperately need to learn how to do that. And I know full well if I do a search for how to wash minis, I'm sure I'll get a half a dozen really great video tutorials. I've just never gotten around to it, but I really should do that. I really, really should. Um, yeah. Okay. But still, no more questions shoved on me from Goblin. And, um, right. So I think. Oh, um, you're welcome, uh, Renegade Raven. I'm I'm glad to help. Um, welcome to the party, by the way. Uh, board games are the greatest freaking thing ever. I my whole life I was a video game addict. Ever since in the 70s, I discovered when playing Pong that I could beat my dad at something. That my dad wasn't a god who was good at everything. I was better at him in Pong. It gave me such a boost of self-esteem as a little kid that I was addicted to board game or video games my entire life. So much so that I spent 20 years designing video games as a creative director type. Um, you know, Siphon Filter and The Sims and Fable. Um, but 10 years ago, when I discovered board games, I very quickly fell out of love with video games and haven't really played any since. So uh, hopefully it changes your life for the better the same way it has mine. Okay. Ooh, uh, Sundrop. Is that what I want? Sundrop. Oh my gosh, Sundrop minis are so beautiful. When I, I, I briefly mentioned a while ago, I, I, I kind of went on the deep end on, on uh, ether fields. I think I ended up playing about for, I don't know, probably quite not quite 20 hours. 
played a bunch of stuff, a lot of solo. And those, they, they, I had the deluxe Sundrop miniatures. Those are nice. What is the difference between Sundrop and a really nice wash, though? Whatever Sundrop is, I want every one of my miniatures in every one of these boxes to have that because it's stunning to me. I mean, honestly... I, those are so good that I don't feel like, oh boy, but it would be really great if they were painted. Because they look so... I mean, they have this really kind of stark black and white... It's like you're watching a beautiful black and white film is seeing a wonderfully done Sundrop Mini. So I guess that's what I really want. But I don't know what the difference is between that and... I mean, can people do sun Sundrops themselves? I'm not sure. Okay. Oh, I see. Sundrop means adding highlights as well as the shadow. So that's why it's so good. So that must be done by hand, right? That's not something that you can automate, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I, I annoyed. No, I, I just, I, I, I will happily be here. I, I could do another 20 minutes of Q&A. No problem. You folks just have to drown me in questions and I will answer them. I, this is what I'm good at. This is my superpower. I can talk extemporaneously at great length in a way that some people find at least marginally engaging and entertaining. So I'm here for you to do it, but um, I think I have worn you folks out because the questions are just drying up. So I think, since in the time it took me to say that, nobody has thought of another question, I am going to look at the raid button now and start planning, unless I see some more questions. Right now, I'm just planning to see what we might raid. Um, and I won't be uh, Luza or Rainer because they're here. So we have to find something else. What else are we essentially looking at? I am searching for board game channels. Oh, wait, no, I need to search for the... Not just the word board game, but the classification of board game. Oh, come on. Board game. There it is. Board games. So, and uh, who do we like? Uh, I'm looking for English. There's me. The Angry Joe Show is playing Halo Hero Clicks. Well, Angry Joe is nothing if not entertaining. That is really interesting. Hmm. Of course, he has 500 viewers. Um, he doesn't need help from little old me, uh, since he is a video game monster. Uh, <gasps> oh. Is that in English? No, it's not. Uh, Nemesis Off Topico is playing... Oh, man. I, I, the, the new game... I can't think of the name of it. Oh. But he's playing a digital version anyway. So, okay, never mind. And it's not in English. Not a lot. What What is today? Is it Thursday? Yeah, just not a lot going on on Thursday afternoon. All right, there's some uh, some Terra Mystica Arena being played. We talked a lot about Terra Mystica. So nothing's jumping out at me immediately. I might go on ahead and do... I mean, because I'm kind of curious to see that Halo, uh, Halo Hero action clicks myself a little bit. But in the meantime, let's see if you have any questions. And you do. Do I like or get annoyed by vacuum-formed inserts? I'm not a fan. Uh, but yes, uh, I am not a fan in general of inserts. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, putting aside the sustainability issues, um, oh man, what is the channel that I subscribe to? Uh, it's, it's a woman with red hair. I want to say Jana or Ona. She does like a regular series of... Uh, of uh, talking about sustainability and and look, we just don't need these inserts; they're not necessary. And I love how our um, Jamie from Stonemaier Games has started putting recycled plastic baggies in his games, uh, so that's really good. The inserts, I totally understand why they're such a big deal for people because some people just have an 
almost obsessive need to organize things. It makes them happy. And you know what? I do not begrudge them. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And if vacuum-formed beautiful inserts that stack together and interlock and makes you happy, then that's great. I guess I'm more bothered by inserts. The worst thing are those inserts that are just generic and they don't quite fit the game. It's like, why is this here at all? This doesn't need to be here. This could have been a... I understand why boxes need to be a certain size because of retail shelf presence, too. I get all of that stuff. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Game Trays does. It's beautiful, the work they do. But I just don't see the need for any of it, quite frankly. I'd rather we have less plastic in our boxes, quite frankly. Um, That's just me, though. I don't begrudge anybody who loves it, though. Um, what game cons do I favor and attend? My favorite game convention is the Board Game Geek um, in Dallas in November. Second favorite would probably be Essen Spiel. Third favorite would be the uh, Dice Tower West. Um, fourth favorite would be in Portugal, a Liercon. Fifth favorite would be the UK Games Expo. Those are all the main... I mean, I've been to a bunch of other like smaller little ones, but those are the big ones I've been to. Oh, I guess Gen Con is fine. Um, the only ones I've regularly um, gone to for the last few years are the Dice Tower and Board Game Geek ones. I guess, in all honesty, I kind of prefer the ones that are more retail-focused just because it helps me with my job because I can go to Essen Spiel and get a lot of games and, hey, I've got content for the next six months. But um, it is nice to go and play. So, But honestly, these days... I, most of my gaming, the most fun I can have gaming is just playing with my wife. And I can do that here. And I don't have to pay hundreds of bucks for a plane ticket and hotels and all the rest of it. So honestly, I'm not the biggest convention goer when it boils right down to it. Because I'm lucky enough to live with my game group. Alrighty. Um, what, uh, let's see. Have I done top 10 pandemics? Uh, yes, I have. I've actually done this a few different ways. It was a uh, collaboration I did with a... Probably one of the most knowledgeable pandemic YouTube streamers of all, uh, Lizzie of Long Distance Gamers. She and I did, we did it two ways. We did top 10 pandemic, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Mechanisms. Where we took all the mechanisms out of all the spinoffs and all the expansions and rated them by which ones we liked the most. And we knew most people wouldn't like that because, hey, I can't buy these based on mechanisms. So then we also did a follow-up, a part two, where we just rated all of the expansions and all of the spinoffs in countdown form. And I think maybe that one didn't include the... uh, the, uh, the the Warcraft one hadn't come out when we did that. But still, that one was within a, la- a year ago. So if you do a search, a Google search, for Rado, Top 10 Pandemic, you're going to find that. And we went deep uh, because we're both Pandemic super fans. So hopefully that would answer, give you anything you're looking for in that regard. We tried to be really thorough and authoritative. Um, Renegade uh, is back with more questions. What questions should you ask yourself before buying a new board game that isn't very popular? Well, um, that's a good question. I like that a lot. And honestly, I will tell you the best thing you can do. Again, I always come back to Board Game Geek. Let me bring back up uh, the browser, right? And, um, right, let's see. So here we are on Board Game Geek. What's a game that I love that's not very popular? Well, of course, I'm looking at stuff I recently viewed. Um, Okay, let me go to rank.rado.com. I'm going to find a game that I love that just hasn't really gotten a lot of attention. How will I know it hasn't gotten a lot of attention? Um, oh, because it's just, that's just sort of my board game rankings instead of my rankings. Okay. So, uh, boom. And then let's come down here. Okay. I want to get into the, th- the sub-thousands. Might have to go to the second page. No surprise. Okay. 
Uh, yep, okay, I should have gone to the second page. Because those are all still fairly well-known and fairly well-ranked. Okay. Oh, you know what no, I should have done? I should have done average ranking. and Not popularity. Average rating. Um, a game that Board Game Geek hates and that I love. So, um, all right. So, really, really low rankings. Like, um, Okay. Carson City, the card game. I think this game is phenomenal. And now, you can go watch my run-through. Because what I do... By the way, Renegade, I know you're new. My shtick is... I do run-throughs of games, not to teach you how to play, but to let you know what the game feels like to play before you buy it. I'm not trying to teach anybody how to play the game. A lot of people are like frustrated with my videos because, why are you spending so much time on explaining the strategy? I just need to know how to play. I'm not trying to teach how to play the game. I'm trying to teach people like Renegade what it feels like to play so they can decide for themselves that it's fun. But anyway, I thought the game was fantastic. You can watch my run-through and see me demonstrate why I think it's fantastic. But if that doesn't do it for you, go to the, ga- the uh, page for the game in question. And this is another super powerful um, tool for Board Game Geek that most people don't know. Click on the comments. Not the ratings, the comments. And then you will have people who love this game who love this game, who give it a 10 and go into a lot of detail about why. But not so much detail that you have to spend forever reading a really, or watching a 30 minute long video like what I did. Nice in-depth and dozens and dozens, whatever game it is, at the very least, there are going to be dozens, if not hundreds of people who have chimed in and you'll, I mean, most people are going to call it an eight. But so what you do is you go and you find people who really like it and you absorb why they really like it. Then you go down to the bottom, you go to the uh, end because it's sorted by uh, ranking, and you find the people who really hate it, who give it a five or less, and look at them and, okay, why do people really love this game? Or why do they really hate it? And then if you want, you can spend some... And also, you don't have to scroll on. You can just say, hey, to everybody who has a seven, and boom, you can just see everybody who gave it a seven. So you can also look at people who are just kind of on the fence about it. Like it, don't like it, don't hate it. That is probably the that is more powerful than any review you can read. That is wisdom of crowds in action right there. Because okay, somebody who really loves it, here's what they love. Somebody who really hates it, here's what they hate. And then you can say, "Oh, I think I hate that more than I love that." So this is probably not a game for me. And chances are, if the game is out, you will find at the very least there's not a single game that hasn't been out for a few months that doesn't have at least dozens if not hundreds of these ratings that you can just get an overall sense. And that's incredibly powerful. You'll also get a bunch of garbage. People are saying, I'm rating this a 1 because I don't like the publisher or or whatever. Or I'm rating this a 10 because so many people are rating a 1. Ignore all of that garbage, but you will find you will find gold in the comments of, of Board Game Geek for any game you can name. So that is my big um, suggestion. And, uh, and hopefully that won't steer you too terribly wrong. Alrighty. What's next? Fidelia, did I see the plastic-free versions that NSKV is producing at the moment? No. Plastic-free versions of what? What are you talking about? That sounds fantastic. NSKV, Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they not merge with board and dice? Am I thinking of something else? What is NSKV? NSKV board games is yeah NS or no NSKN NSKN. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So they 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 are partnered with board and dice. No, I don't know what's going on with NSKN and Plastic Free. NSKN Plastic what you talking about plastic free mermaid instagrams okay i'm not seeing it immediately plastic free july this was from two years ago um right so 
I don't know what you're talking about, but I would definitely like to know more. And I should definitely come back to full screen because I totally forgot. They were looking at my browser. Hopefully there wasn't anything too terribly private that was on there. I'm sure there wasn't. Um, no, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm really keen. And it's true. I mean, NSKN, they did early on do a lot of very miniature heavy things like their Viking game and whatnot. So that's pretty cool. Um, Rainer, am I going to Dice Tower East? I will go to any convention where um, the publisher will pay to put me up. Yeah, there's two things I'm looking for at a convention. Um, if, if, do you want me there as a special guest, which means I'll do events for you and I'll play games with all of your, and you can use me as a draw. Oh, Rado's going to be here. And I'm like, okay, just uh, you know, put me in a hotel room. I know you have a block of hotel rooms. Just set one aside for me and my wife. I'm not asking for airfare. I'm not asking for airfare for her. But um, give us a room and give her a booth because... Her gamer glass, she loves doing conventions to sell gamer glass. It's it's such a buzz for her. It's a lot of stress, but she also really loves doing it. And so what I'll end up doing is, and so I would happily go to Dice Tower East if Tom wanted to work something like that out. That's what I have worked out with Dice Tower West. I am a special guest of the convention. I go and do specific um, you know, big events they've asked me to do. And then anybody can find me because at the entire rest of the time, I will be at the gamer glass booth at a table, sitting down, playing games with anybody who wants to play a game with me. I'll schedule games to play with people. I'm just trying to play new stuff I get from the library. So if Tom wanted to do that, yeah, I'd totally go. But shy of that, I would rather just stay home and play games with Jen and try not to fall. Because one, another problem for me, whenever I go to a convention for a few days, oh, my schedule gets destroyed. And then I have a very, very hard time catching back up. Um, right. Have I ever con uh, gone to a convention like the World Board Game Championships, which is more about playing games and selling games? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I would say, um, you know, Dice Tower uh, West and uh, Board Game Econ, are, they have a very small retail presence. It's one of the reasons Jen does so well, because there's people who want to spend money. There are not very many publishers there. And then they find Jen's beautiful gamer glass accessories, and they come and buy those. And they have a great old time. And Jen does really wonderfully, too. It's interesting. I did get contacted about the World Board Gaming Championship. Um, at one point, they said, hey, do I want to come and, like, you know, I, I think it was, you know, do a color commentary. And I thought about it, but if I recall correctly, the time it was happening was not going to be very good for us. And um, and then they, they just contacted me again. And it, do, I just, do I just want to come because they, I, I think they had some extra rooms or something. Do I want to come just to, to have fun? And still, if I recall correctly, the dates of that were just completely inconducive. I mean, total conflict with what Jen and I were doing. So I, I'd definitely be interested in seeing it. Um, oh, and you're saying, because this is a convention, I mean, you go there to play games, but you're also going there to watch the world's best play games. That's interesting. I'm less interested in watching people play games, if I'm honest. Um, ironic, since my entire show is uh, predicated on people coming to watch me play games. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, I guess I would enjoy it more if they were playing games in the same way that I run through games, where they would spend the entire time verbalizing all the thought processes they're going through while they're playing, that would be amazing. I would totally want to go see that. Uh, but in lieu of that, what would be... Uh, is the World uh, Board Game Championships... I assume they... I'm pretty sure they're going to have, you know, like sporting events, color commentators... That would be really interesting. And in fact, I'd rather watch it with the color commentary. People talking about, oh, they're trying the whatever strategy, or why didn't they take that? Oh, maybe they've got a, maybe they've got some secret card. You know, that would be amazing. I would love to see that. But just watching people play games is not that interesting to me. Ooh, what games do I own that I wish had better components? Let's go. You know, 
I'm probably going to have a hard time giving you an answer for that. Um, I'm, thank you for asking all these questions. Let's come back over to rank.rado.com and uh, just look at my games from my favorites to my least favorites. See, I'm really not a big components guy. I, don't, I just don't care that much. As long as they're not actively bad, I'm totally happy. And even if they're actually actively bad, I don't mind that much. So that said, are there any of these that I would love? You know, and then on top of that, there's a question of, oh, but getting really super deluxe stuff. I mean, super deluxe stuff is nice. But honestly, I care a lot more about art than I do about miniatures or whatever. I've often said, I would rather have a game with a lot of beautiful art standees rather than a lot of beautiful miniature sculpts. Because I like the art more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at my, my top 100 here. And none of these jump out at me and say, boy, I sure wish this game had cooler stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I want to answer your question, but I don't think I can because I'm just not that precious about high-quality components. That is not a consideration for me in what makes for a great, great gaming. So, yeah, I, I, I got nothing for you, buddy. Nothing. It's a good question, though. All righty. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, several questions about board. As far as I know, the only convention I am going to in the near future is a very small one in, um, in Western Oregon, uh, because, wait, has it been announced yet? Has it been announced yet? Uh, if it's not, I can't say. And it has not been announced. In theory... There is potentially a new convention that will be happening in um, the west, central western Oregon in a couple of months, if I recall correctly. I think, I think somewhere near Eugene, Oregon, maybe Ashland, you know, somewhere around in that area. And I've been contacted, and they said, well, yeah, if, if Jen wants to sell some of her wares, that's no problem. We'll, we'll, you can set up a table for her in the, in the retail area, and uh, yeah, we'll have a hotel for you. I'm like, okay, fine. That's a car drive away. We'll totally do that. So we're waiting to find out if it's actually going to happen because it's a brand new one. It hasn't been announced. At this point, that is the only one in my future. If, I, I have not heard from Tim if they want me to come to Board Game Geek West next year. I have not heard from Scott Alden if they want me to come to the Dice Tower uh, conventions this year. Or not Dice Tower, the Board Game Geek uh, conventions. If they do, Jen and I will talk about it. I will say one thing, though. We had a great time at the Dice Tower West convention a couple of months ago in Vegas. Absolutely fantastic. At the end of the convention, our flight was canceled. And it was canceled for like three freaking days that we were going to be trapped in Vegas. Uh, crewing, I mean, you know, pretty much just eating through all the profits Jen made by having to stay at expensive Vegas hotels. So we went through an incredibly stressful time trying to find alternate flights out. We ultimately did. And we ended up paying, I mean, God, just god-awful amount of money. We had to spend one more night at a at another hotel. And we thought, oh, good, the hotel's only going to be 70 bucks. But then we get there, and they charge us all these hidden fees, and it ended up being 150 And then it ended up being like 500 bucks for the flight. Our original flight was going to be like 80 bucks, And it's like, and we were so furious about that that we never want to travel again by plane, ever. I mean, we're still just seething about it. Because we also haven't gotten our freaking refund from the original airline yet that canceled our flight for three freaking days. And we said, okay, we're just going to cancel. Give us our refund. And they said, okay, we'll do that. And they still haven't refunded us. So we're still so angry about that. We're kind of in a not really that excited about conventions 
that we can't drive to at the moment. So that's kind of like uh, overall where I'm at about conventions these days. As I see, um, what about BGCon, Spring, and all the rest of it? Um, uh, let's see here. What have we got? Um, oh, we've got a... Oh, good, good, good. Uh, Ruckus suggests we raid Resinim, uh, who is a small-time designer channel. That sounds very cool. I'm very interested in that. Uh, you got it, buddy. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to put that in the queue for when we do it. Let me see if I can find them. Resinim. Resinim. Board games. What's going on? Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Hey, it's just a bunch of people sitting around talking, playing board games together. And... This looks fantastic. I've never even heard of this. Thank you. This looks like a fantastic suggestion. They've got a cat on the table. Okay. That looks very cool. Okay. So I've got that in the queue. Let's see how many more questions. Um, Best Twilight Zone episode. I am not as big an aficionado of Twilight. I've seen every single one. The, The thing that has the most resonance for me is Burgess Meredith. With the with the glasses at the end, I don't know that that's a particularly enth- uh, you know enthralling video to watch over and over again. But I got to say that's probably the best ending of any Twilight Zone. That or that one speaks to me personally, um, you know, as a cautionary moral tale and all that. So I'll go with that one. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, and okay, that's it. So we are done, folks. Thank you very much for uh, coming along. Uh, Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for following. Thanks for your questions. Uh, Thanks for your support. And if you stick around now, we're going to raid a... um, It looks like they're literally playtesting a game, a new game. So that's fascinating. There should be some really interesting stuff going on. And also, don't forget, folks, if you decide you want to come back and watch more, if you stick for this raid, you will earn a bunch of Rotto points. You can see how many Rotto points you have down there at the bottom of your chat, down there in the corner. The more Rotto points you have, the more features of the show you can unlock and all kinds of cool stuff. So even if you're not going to stick around, stick around for the raid and tell uh, Resonim that Rado says hi. And so does Ruckus. Good suggestion, Ruckus. So sound good? Then um, let's get ready to raid, shall we? In five, four, three, two, one. Raid! Go, 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 go. Take that question off. The screen. I didn't need to keep that there anymore. Okay, so that looks like that is working. Hoorah. So you can see us. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. What happened? They noticed. We're trying to play Glitch Squad, except I'm right in the middle of a really horrible thing in which I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, they look like a fun group. I hope everybody enjoys that. Uh, if you watch this later, again, thanks uh, everybody for watching. Me and Mary are the designers. Danielle so, and Suki help with everything that happens oh, at Resonim. And uh, this is probably...